Jamaica. I've always wanted to say that. Hey, I guess uh, you can figure out what this week is. Um, VBS starts tomorrow. I do hope that you have been praying for this week's ministry. And I know and thank you for those of you that signed up to help serve, help volunteer, whatever you might be doing. Um, if it's something that you have intended to do, but have you just been forgetting to get your name on the line, I believe the sign-up sheets are still out there. You can take a peek at uh, whatever blank lines that might exist that you could help make VBS happen. Um, we had an interesting thing happen this week in regards to this. Um, Sarah uh, sent in an advertisement to the courier, and which ended up at the back of the courier because, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. But on the second page this week, did anybody read the courier and see this advertisement? Okay. It was really, we don't know who did it, but somebody put in, uh, and, and it may have been the courier themselves, but they ran a separate ad and talked about how we at uh, Woodland Life Center is known for ministering to children. They just kind of really did this thing up for us. So because of that, the phone has been ringing from the community uh, uh, asking for details about this week. So we're anticipating kids that we've not seen before showing up tomorrow. We're excited about that. So thank you for praying, and we're asking that you continue to pray over these next five evenings as we have a unique opportunity to share the love of Jesus to our children, okay? And again, if, um, if you were intending to get signed on to help with that, straight out these back doors here right at the Welcome Center is a table with a bunch of sign-up sheets. Please do, please do so before you leave today. And we'll make sure and get you connected in with that. So that's Monday through Friday, starting tomorrow. Um, I want to invite Perry Parkman up um, real quick. And she is going to just share a little bit about holy yoga. She's got her holy yoga shirt on. Um, hi, I'm Perry Parkman, for those of you who don't know me. I am a holy yoga instructor. I've been teaching holy yoga here at the church for the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And they, there's a really great opportunity to experience holy yoga coming up in two weeks. Uh, not this next Saturday, but the following, the 18th. And um, if you're interested in yoga at all, it is a great experience. So there's um, lots of different posters around uh, church. I have some flyers if you happen to be interested or know anybody who may be interested. Holy Yoga is an experiential worship uh, that has Bible study, worship, um, community building events, and um, it's just a great little retreat for your soul and body and a way to connect. And Holy Yoga exists um, simply to get the word out to the ends of the earth, to believers and non-believers, um, to come together in Christ. So if you're interested at all, holyyoga.net. The information is in your bulletin today, and we would greatly appreciate your prayers about this and your support. So thank you so much. Thank you, Perry. Thank you. Let's see. Just uh, hopefully on your way in, you received... 
one of these. So please take time to look through that. And uh, there's plenty of good information in there to keep you posted. And also, you can always pull us up at woodlandlifecenter.com for any further details. Thanks for coming today. I hope that you have come ready to engage the presence of the Lord, even on a shipwrecked island, okay? Um, but we're going to have fun worshiping together today and digging into God's Word. And I want to invite you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask that you shake three or four hands that are around you. Just greet a few people and let's join together in worship. Right back and you hear a tale, a tale of faithful trip that started on this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor man, the skipper brave and sure. Made passengers of the day for a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. The weather started getting... Okay. So who knows that song? Oh, well, we, we got three teenagers know that song. That's good. Mia did not. Welcome. Yeah, Gil that's Gilligan's Island for those that don't know. You can probably look at it on Netflix. Anyway, good morning. I want to invite you now to... Uh, Take off your entertainment, entertain me hat. And I want to encourage you to put on your, I need to be involved. I need to join with each other hat. I need to communicate with God. I need to join with him. I need to get off my tendency to sit and watch and critique. And I need to put on my hat to open up to what God has to say to all of us today. Father, will you quiet our hearts? Will you remind us today how big and strong and smart you are? Remind us today how small we are. And yet in our tininess, you tell us that we really, really matter. I want to invite you now just to breathe. 
Take some deep breaths. And will you whisper to your Heavenly Father right now what you want today? What you want from Him today? Father, we're grateful today that we are free to worship however we choose, that we are free to gather and that it means something that we're in a room with other believers. Let us not take for granted the testimony that is around us. May we feel empowered today because there's other people who believe things about you that maybe today we really don't want to believe. We thank you for what you're doing. And we all said, amen. Here we go. It's an oldie but a goodie. Blessing is sure
about she said not really anything I said really she goes I think I'm stressed about the stress that's gonna happen when we go back to school like I'm starting to ramp up the anxiety for the anxiety that's coming and parents I don't know if you realize it but we are there is a generation below us there's a generation sitting in the front row right now that they are full of anxiety. There's a generation that is anxious about everything. And, and I don't know if it's the phone. I don't know if it's the Internet. I don't know what it is, but it ain't like it was when you were 17. You hear me? There is something that our kids are, are struggling with anxiety. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I was looking for one from the front row. Amen. And isn't it true that you aren't much different than your kids? that you have thoughts that you ruminate on, you have fears that you cannot get out of your head. And you have to eat copious amounts of cake and ice cream to get your anxious thoughts away. You guys, we live in an anxious, anxiety-ridden world. Things are going really fast. And the news on TV is 24 hours, and it is really bad. 
And so this morning, I want to put a Richard Rohr quote up. I thought this was, was good along this line. The fears that assault us are mostly simple anxieties about social skills, about intimacy, about likableness, or about performance. We need not, we need not give emotional food or charge to these fears or become attached to them. We don't even have to shame ourselves for having these fears. Simply ask yourself, pay attention, what are, your, what are you trying to teach me? What are our fears trying to teach us? Some say that fear is merely an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And I think most of us, we struggle with fear. And I think partly if you don't, you're either really not aware of your feelings or you're maybe not really alive. I don't know. But what do we do when those fears come? And I read something earlier this week that said faith is really the opposite of fear. And I think when we feel afraid, when we feel anxious, when your mom drops you off and you walk through those high school or middle school or elementary school doors, there has to be some conversation in your mind that says, God, you are with me. You have not left me. You love me. You made me. You know me, and you empower me to walk these halls, whatever may come. And you walk into your boss's office, you need to say the same thing. We need to believe that he holds us. We need to believe that he is with us. We need to believe, period. No. Oh. 
splendor of our King. His golden majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. every voice we heard this morning, he rests himself in light. And darkness strives to hide, shambles at his circumstances, you are worthy of our praise. Regardless of how significantly the enemy has come against us, you deserve our praise. 
Even if at times we have felt completely alone, you still deserve our praise. You are our God, you are our King, our Lord, our Savior, you are our Vindicator. You are our advocate, one who stands in the gap on our behalf. We are covered by your blood. And we stand today with assurance that we belong to you. We are yours and you are ours. Thank you for what you have done, what you're doing, and we thank you in advance for what you are going to do. In all these things we declare in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to invite our teens. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And now in the Zuni language. Jesus is home ichema, home on sinan adine, awide ako ani, atashi dap atsatna. Hishom ichema, hishom ichema, hishom ichema, Jesus hom ichema. So we had the incredible privilege, the youth group did, and I got to go along um, to go to Zuni and to the Manuelito Children's Home last week for a mission trip, just this past week. Um, Zuni Pueblo is a, a little town um, in the middle of the Zuni reservation. The Zuni people, the Zuni nation um, is indigenous to that area. It's kind of a, a rare Native American tribe. They were not pushed out of their lands, the lands that they're on that we got to visit. Um, those lands have been their lands forever. Um, and it's, it's a very pagan culture, um, very, very traditional Native American culture. They hold fast to those Native American traditions and laws and practices. And so Christianity is um, not very well received. There are many of the Zuni people, in fact, that are, are angry at the, the Christian church, the Christian mission that's there. 
we got to do a giveaway. Um, they're going to tell you about a lot of these things, but we got to do a giveaway to the Zuni people, kind of partnering with the church there. And so we were not um, sort of giving the gospel. We were just getting help. And it was a really great experience. So they're going to talk about it. Um, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. JC, and I'm just going to briefly speak about a few things that we did in Zuni. And uh, first off, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Terry, for always taking us on this trip. This Zuni trip never disappoints. Like, it's such an amazing experience. And Scott, thank you, you know, for guiding us on teams through a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff that we do. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the connections that we had. We spent a few days in this Gallup place with the children there. And I've had a friend there that I met three years ago named AJ. And every year I make new friends, get to connect with them. It's so amazing. The kids there are so enjoyable. And I feel like they enjoy us, but I don't know why they would. So, yeah. And also, like, we go into Zuni every year. Sorry if I get too close to the mic. I don't know. But every year we, <laughs> anyway, we go into Zuni. And I'm pretty sure all the Zuni people, like, get to huddle. And they're like, what's that gleaming light over there? Oh, it's just those kids again. So it's really cool to, like, feel those people. They are really approachable. They're really sweet, really humble. Every time you ask them a question, they're always there to answer. They, like, I mean, a lot. they don't have a lot. So it's always good to go and help and be there for them and have a really, really good time being with them people. I want to add that he was talking about AJ. AJ is one of the orphans at the Children's Center. Um. Hi, uh, my name's Barrett. Um, I also went on this trip, if you were wondering. I mean, why else would I be up here? Um, so I'm going to talk about, like, Miss Terry already kind of gave you the overview of what we did, but um, I'm going to talk about why we went. Um, so uh, this trip, when we first got there, she said we aren't really going to be staying there for um, building projects or anything. We're going to be staying there for building relationships with the kids. And that was a huge thing that they needed, honestly. Um, we showed up, and the first day, there were these kids just hanging out on the swing set. And, um, yeah, Miss Terry was like, go talk to them. And I was like, uh, no thanks. But I did anyway, just because... Um, I don't know why I talked to them, honestly. I was just kind of nervous about talking to these random kids. Um, but I talked to them, and by the – so the first day, they wanted nothing to do with me. They just kind of didn't talk to me. But then, like, by the end of the first day, they were all over me, and it was just – it was awesome because I kind of realized how much Zuni and Gallup people needed help in relationships. And um, – I was just happy that I could be that outside voice to them. I, I think pretty much everybody knows me. I'm PK, Ashburn, son of Jackson. And um, my experience with this trip was really eye-opening to me. And mostly it was building a relationship with these guys and some of them out there. So, like, I had an kind of a spiritual encounter with God this week, and it made me really realize what I've got 
with these guys and building relationships with those kids and giving all that stuff away to all those people in Zuni was really, really an eye-opening experience for me, for sure. And it really made me realize what I've got with these guys. Like, these guys are probably the closest family other than, like, probably my more like my second family, for sure. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. Okay, I wrote down what I wanted to say to attempt to calm myself a little bit because public speaking may or may not be one of my biggest but... <laughs> So Zuni is always an incredible experience, and it's always such a great eye-opener. It's crazy to just, like, go to a different town and see how, like, much more privileged we are than they are. Um, and, like, walking in Zuni um, and, like, just seeing that at the first word of any white person, there's, like, people approaching you all over the streets because they want to sell you because that's how they make their money and that's how they can support their families. Um, so I wanted to say thank you to anyone who donated anything to um, help with this trip. It was a huge blessing. We um, we set up on the first day to give away stuff, and it was like a madhouse for like an hour and a half, and like half of everything was gone. And then it was kind of slow after that. But then the next day, we went to the park, and yeah, that was a lot slower. But we ended up donating the leftovers to a woman's home in Gallup. So that was cool. We got to help them, too. Um, the relationship relationships built and strengthened are always great and it's always a lot of fun. A nine-hour van ride through southern Colorado and New Mexico is kind of rough, but um, Barrett played a super great Spotify playlist and Maddie has a super great speaker, so <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, no air conditioning. Yeah, no air conditioning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all the windows are open and we're all sweating and all of the guys stink, but I still love you guys, so... Um, <laughs> um, um, no, so I was going to talk about um, one of the lessons. So we had a lesson every night, and then the guys actually gave devotions every morning, so that was cool. They got to um, sit at the head of the table and speak to us. But um, the lesson that spoke to me the most was the last night. So it was really nice in the sun, like outside, and the sunset was absolutely gorgeous. So we all went outside and like just sat down on the concrete and the rocks and um, had a lesson out there. And Jackson opened us with um, music with his guitar, and that was always that was incredible um but that night we talked about the parable of the talents um so if you don't know what that is it's basically like um the master gives one servant five talents another servant two talents and then the last one one talent and the people with five and two talents go and um, multiply the talents so they end up with ten and four and then the person that only had one talent buried his talent so that he wouldn't have to worry about it and um, talents is like a coin, but you can, um, like, it is parallel with, like, God giving us strengths and talents and that kind of thing. Um, so we got out of that, like, the main thing that um, all of us pulled out was you have to push the ball in order to get it rolling. God will direct you where you're supposed to be, but you have to be willing to take the first step to do anything about it. Um, so last year in Zuni, um, was like my first actual mission trip and like um that really spoke to me and it was like really cool and like oh I like helping people like this is a lot of fun and it was really impactful 
but um, I wasn't like positive. And then throughout the year, whenever like missions came up, I like got interested and like was gonna go look up something. And um, one of the guys in my school and I actually looked at going on a mission trip in like Spain or something like that, but that never worked. So um, missions has always been something that I've been interested in. But it wasn't until this year on the last night that we were talking about this, I realized that like if I want to do something that I feel called to do, I have to be willing to take the first step and then God will direct me to where I come. Um, but this year, um, I realized that missions is definitely supposed to be part of my life. I'm not really sure where um, or any of the specific details of really what I'm supposed to do, but I have to remind myself that I have to open my heart and be willing to take the first step in order to get the ball rolling so that God can direct me to where I'm supposed to go. Hello, my name is River, and me too. Um, I write all my stuff down to call myself. But um, this Zuni trip has been truly an amazing experience for me. First mission trip I've ever been on, and it had a massive impact. Um, before the trip even started, I told myself that um, I would be helpful and nice. In other words, I wouldn't be a nuisance to Terry and Scott. <laughs> and that, um, yeah. So uh, as the trip progressed, I started asking myself why I even came on this trip. It was hot. The van ride, it was kind of horrible, even though I got to sit shotgun the whole time. Um, and then I, once we got to the children's home and everything, I started meeting um, the kids and stuff, and even building relationships with our youth group that I never thought were possible. Um, then I realized that this trip isn't supposed to be for like a super fun and enjoyable trip or vacation to the beach, but rather a missions trip. So um, I, I needed to realize that we were doing this for God and that we were doing these this for the people of Zuni and the kids. Um, but anyways, no matter how hot I got or how annoying everybody else was being, uh, I just realized that I should probably have a good attitude about it um, and just enjoy the time and the privilege that we got to be there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, hi guys, uh, my name is Jacob. You can call me PJ. Uh, I got that name two years ago uh, when we actually went to Zuni last year. Thanks to Michael, um, we did one on um, calling. And um, during that session, I was called into ministry and pastor and all that stuff, and Michael gave me a chance for 10 minutes to preach, and I preached, and ever since then, I've been called PJ, so, no, I call myself PJ, yes, but everybody else calls me PJ, but um, this mission trip was really fun for me, um, I reached out to a lot of kids, uh, one in particular, I didn't get to see the first day, but the next day I saw him that morning, and his name's Max. And I saw him walk through the door, and I was like, Max! And I ran after Max, and he ran away. And then he stopped, and he was like, Jacob. And I was like, Max! So we, we got a little big, huge hug in. Max is my go-to guy. So ever since then, we, we've been talking. And uh, I also met AJ. AJ's been close also. But um, I think one of the impacting moments uh, 
all one one night, uh, me, JT, Barry, we all got into a huge, huge fight. Uh, but after, in the end, JT said one thing that no matter if we like hit each other, fight each other, we're always friends no matter what we do. And like, I I felt great about that because like nothing could ruin our friendship, nothing. And I was talking uh, one night, um, I, I had no idea I was gonna talk, and then I all, all of a sudden did. Uh, I was talking about the parable of the 99 sheep. Um, it talks about how um, a shepherd was taking his 99 sheep and one wandered off, and he went to go look for that 99 sheep, or look for the one sheep, and when he found that one sheep, he was happier than ever. And what I got out of that was when our youth group, if we've, like, God's been leading all of us for, I don't know, two years old. Um, so ever since then, and if one of us leaves, one of us is going to go find him and bring him back, and we're, like, all of us are going to rejoice because he is back in the house of God and rejoicing him and leading on the gospel and spreading it all around just like we were in Zuni. And... I just, I, I, I said one time, but um, this guy, these guys aren't just friends, neighbors, um, home slices. Um, they're family. They've, they've been family since sixth grade um, when I first came here. Uh, this is my fourth mission trip, and I say this is probably one of the best mission trips. Just the people that we reached out to. Uh, when... Terry was talking about it one time, um, I think it was like the last night, about going, I was asked, I asked her about going on a different mission trip, and she was like, going on one mission trip doesn't leave really a mark, because you probably will never go back here, but going to this particular mission trip every year, we leave a mark, and when we go into the town of Zuni, um, everyone, when they see us, they're like, hey, you remember those guys? Like, when we give stuff away, because we always do that every year, so... Uh, I just, I thought it was glorified, or I don't know what the word is. Um, it was amazing to see that people were like, hey, this, this, this group right here means a lot. And I don't know, I thought it was amazing just to have them know that we leave a mark, not just there, but in their heart, that we're always there for them no matter what. So, yeah. Just real briefly, I'll just give you a quick overview. I know they, they touched on different little aspects, and so just you can kind of picture what it was like. Um, we start out, we head to Gallup in the air-conditioned van. Yes, I had my own car. It was air-conditioned. A couple of the kids rode with me. But um, we head first to Gallup, New Mexico, if you know where that is. It's west, kind of central, a little southwest um, New Mexico, almost to the Arizona border. And we go to a place called the Manuelito Children's Home. <clears throat> Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but they are orphans in the truest sense, uh, most of them, um, because they are not adoptable. They have been um, abandoned by family members um, or sometimes placed there by social services. Um, but there's, um, there's still that tribal or family connection. And so even though these kids are not cared for and loved by a family member, that family member, like maybe an auntie or grandma or whatever, and sometimes even a biological parent, they won't release them to be loved and cared for by another family. And so that's really, really hard, really heartbreaking. 
So um, the kids at the children's home just live in a bubble. It's a very tight community. Community. They go to school there. They're under the same influences all the time. And the leadership is, you know, trying and saving lives. And it's wonderful. But anytime you have something that's that tight of a bubble, it's really, really hard on the kids, the children, and you know, all the way up to teenagers. And um, they just need those outside voices, those outside influences. And that is an amazing thing that this group brings to them. And that's what they were talking about, those relationships. And that is so much more important than when we come. That is so much more important than, like, painting a building or whatever. So um, then in Zuni, so we start out there. We do some projects with the kids there. And this year we didn't do any work projects. Oh, you did. You helped the boys when they had that chore. Yes. Meeting. Yeah. Anyway, um, then we also go to Zuni. Zuni Pueblo is the name of the little town. And when I say town, it's it's not like anything you've seen. It's very third world kind of. Um, a lot of structures and homes and buildings that don't have running water or electricity. Um, no windows. Windows are like maybe boarded up. Um, some of the homes don't have doors. Um, so it's pretty rough. The outside ovens, they bake Zuni bread in these outside ovens. Um, just a, a rough area. It's not that there's not good people there. They all, There's wonderful, loving, amazing people there. And this time, yeah, third year, it was incredible. We did a scavenger hunt for the kids to get to know Zuni and have to really wander around and take pictures at certain spots. And um, it was amazing some of the people that now begin to recognize us that would come out and you know, hug and say hello, and um, that was really amazing. Um, the, the work that we did in Zuni was a lot of just giving what you guys donated, and the need is so vast, just a huge, huge need. Okay, and so real quick, I just want to um, tell you that we are planning a family mission trip, so this wouldn't be a sanctioned youth group mission trip because Scott will be out of town. Um, for Thanksgiving week. So we, we kind of all brainstormed this together. We looked at the schedule for public school. And so what we're looking at doing, our, fam our family personally, we do this pretty much every year. Um, we go to Zuni and to the Manuelito Children's Home over that Thanksgiving break. Um, many years, we actually drive home on Thanksgiving Day because the children at the children's home have Wednesday off. They have school Monday, Tuesday, but Wednesday off. And that's our best chance to hang out with the kids. And so we drive home on Thanksgiving Day. And instead of that being sad and awful, it has been a profoundly amazing experience for my family and my kids because they've, like one of you, somebody said it, it's the giving part of Thanksgiving instead of just, you know, the evening thanks part and it really has changed our perspective about thanksgiving and it always we get home and we're driving home and we experience that gratitude so deeply because we've been pouring out for these other people so we want to open that up to whoever is interested in going if this is kind of pulling at your heartstrings we're looking at leaving saturday november 17th it's the saturday right after the last day of public school um, I know CSCS isn't out yet. I'm going to just take my kids out anyway. Um, so leaving Saturday, we would go straight to the children's home. No, sorry, go straight to Zuni 
and there's some places that we can stay in Zuni that we could rent. I can help point people in the right direction. Um, and then Sunday morning, go to church at the Zuni Christian Mission Church and then do a big giveaway Sunday afternoon. That's our plan. And our brainstorm was if we could start through the fall a jackets and coats drive. That was a big request that they, the kids and the parents have. They need and bedding, yeah. Jackets, coats, and then bedding. Any bedding that was donated went like that. I mean, people were just so in need. Simple things, sheets, pillows, um, comforters, rugs. Um, but anyway, specifically for the Thanksgiving one, I'd love for it to be, you know, bedding, blankets and comforters, that kind of thing, warm things. And then jackets and coats of all sizes, especially for kids. That would be a great need. And so Sunday we do that giveaway. And then Monday by 3 o'clock, we'd be back at Manuelito Children's Home. So we'd spend two nights in Zuni and then two nights at Manuelito Children's Home and um, love on the kids there Monday and Tuesday and then drive home Wednesday. So that's the plan. And that would get you all home for Thanksgiving. So if anybody wanted to, you know, you could do the drive on Thanksgiving thing. But anyway, that's the plan. And you wanted to. I totally forgot to say this. My mind went blank. Um, can I actually have PD come up here real fast? And Michael, can you come up here? Yeah, I know. You're surprised too. Uh, come up here. <laughs> um, so I just, I just want to thank all my youth pastors. Um, before I went to Zuni, uh, PD brought up uh, a really, really surprise question, and it blew my mind. Um, he asked me to be his intern next year, and starting next year, um, we're going to talk about it more, but being an intern, and I just want to thank all you guys, because if it wasn't for Michael or PD or Scott, I wouldn't be in this position to take this offer, so I just want to thank you guys very much uh, for giving me this opportunity, so thank you. All right, so we have a um, slideshow coming up. It's going to have some pictures and video of some of the things that have been described here. And um, so hopefully you can put pictures to it and, and maybe take part in this. But I want to echo what's been said earlier of thank you guys for helping this trip become reality with your donations and also the money with the dessert options and other things, other pre-giving which has really allowed this to happen. So if we could have the ushers come forward, we'll take we'll take offerings. You, got, you guys bow with me. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the hearts here up on stage, the hearts um, that went on this trip, uh, sacrificed their time, money, and energy, and for this church that allowed us and backed us and supported us and prayed for us. Um, to allow this thing to happen. And as it has been talked about, um, this is a huge giving part of what we need to be doing. And as we bless this offering, let us just be hearts that continue to give um, from out of what you have blessed us with. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'll say one more thing. I know this has gone so long. 
there's a single mom in Zuni, single mom. She has two kids, another one on the way. She is looking for, we're trying to help her break free from an abusive relationship. And so she's trying to start a new life. She's committed to starting a new life. If anyone wants to know more, we're looking for immediate temporary housing for her. Um, her little boy is eight, and then she has an 18-month-old, and she's due beginning of October with another baby by the guy that she's not going to be with anymore. So if anyone's interested, please talk to me. It's a great need. Wow. Amen. We cannot underestimate the impact and the value that these trips have, not just on Zuni, but on our own kids as they are growing in their faith um, and in their walk with Jesus. So thank you for supporting them in prayer and financially. Amazing stuff. All right, let's dig into the Word. I want to invite you to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's just get right into the reading here. The, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. 
then the Lord called Samuel. I'm going to pause there for a moment so we understand where we're at. As I mentioned last week, we're, we're in the time of, of the judges. So it's between the, the, the Exodus story, Israel has landed in their promised land. They've all, uh, all the people have gotten to their spots. And for about a period of around 400 years or so, they live in this time called the time of the judges. Before the kings of, of Israel began to come into play. The time of the judges is a very dark time. For most part, all of Israel does their own thing. They do whatever they want to. And then on occasion, the Lord will raise up a judge to lead Israel in battle. And it kind of brings them back to worshiping God and living life the way that they're supposed to. And then it just, it gets dark again. And, and, and this, this is what this period is like. Eli is the high priest. Eli and his two sons are serving in the tabernacle. We're, we're, we don't have a temple built yet. The temple's not built until King Solomon. So we're about 100 years away or so um, from the temple existing. So the Ark of the Covenant is resting inside of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is in Shiloh. The tabernacle area is... I don't know, it's roughly the size of this building, a little bit bigger. And um, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's fenced in, so it's an exterior fence, and it's, and it's not enclosed. Except for this one area called the Tent of Meeting, which is roughly the width of the stage, 15 feet wide and, and about 30 feet long. Inside of the tabernacle area is this Tent of Meeting. Inside of this tent, which is fully enclosed, this is where the Ark of the Covenant rests, behind a curtain. In front of the curtain is a, 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 a table, and then there's the lampstand, the light of God, the lamp of God. You might have known it as a menorah. You'll recognize that we're probably connected to Hanukkah. Understand that the, the whole event of Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah, comes out of this, this, this lamp of God that is, um, is supposed to burn all the time. It never stops burning. It represents the presence of God with Israel. That's constant. And one of the jobs of the high priest that, or the priest that is serving is to keep the oil filled with that lamp so that the lamp can continue to burn. Samuel has been given to the service of the Lord by his mother Hannah. And so Samuel goes to live with Eli. Eli's two sons are, are serving as priests under Eli. But the problem is they're completely evil. They're, they're wicked and, and they, they've taken wickedness with the priesthood to a whole new level. You see, there's, there's the, the, the law makes it pretty clear. When, when somebody comes to the tabernacle to offer sacrifice, they bring the animal that they're going to sacrifice. The, the priest on duty takes care of the animal, prepares the sacrifice, and, and when they're boiling the meat, 
what happens is, is the, the first part of the offering goes to God. Basically, the, the meat gets split up into three parts. The first part, the best part, is offered to God. The priest, after the offering to God happens, the priest gets to keep the shoulders and the breast for, for those that are working, serving in the tabernacle area. And then the rest goes to the one who is offering the sacrifice. That's what the law says. But what has happened is over time, the priest changed that. And it got to the point where as the meat was boiling, they would stick this pronged fork kind of thing in there. And whatever they pulled out, that's what the priest got to keep. They started changing the rules of the sacrifice. What this did was this means that as they were pulling the, the meat out, they were beginning to take some of what really should have gone to and belonged to God. But then Phineas and Hophni, Eli's sons, they take it to a whole nother level. They begin to demand from the people that are coming to offer sacrifice and worship. They begin to demand from them meat before it's even been boiled. In other words, they're completely robbing God of everything that belongs to him, taking the best part first for themselves. Not requesting it, demanding it forcefully. So in other words, this is the the picture of what's happening. A person comes to worship God. A person shows up to the tabernacle to offer sacrifice and worship God as prescribed, and then they are bullied by the priests before they're even allowed to bring their sacrifice. This is the environment that is happening. And God has rejected them and has rejected Eli because Eli has not been dealing with his sons appropriately. He's just been letting them do their thing. And so Samuel comes on to the scene. Now let's read this again. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare There were not many visions. Now, I suppose there's two ways to look at this. And the first one may be the most natural way to look at this. Well, God wasn't speaking very much. I'm I'm not sure that I'm really comfortable with that approach. If God is the same yesterday and today and forever, then I've got to believe that the voice of the Lord was coming forth. But nobody was listening. The word of God was rare because people weren't knowing how to listen to him. Or they weren't practicing listening to God, including Eli. And and I think we're going to see the proof in this shortly. The word of God, the the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Now see, this is interesting visual because it, it, it intimates that occasionally the lamp of God will go out. But I'm telling you that the lamp of God never goes out. The lamp of God is never to go out. 
one of the main jobs of the priest is to keep the lamp burning because it represents God's presence. Yet when we see this written this way, what it's doing is it's giving us a big picture about the reality of Israel. Darkness had reigned for so long, even in the tabernacle area, because of, because of the way that the priests are functioning. That, this, that, that it's, it, it's, it's intimating that it, it's like the lamp of God is about to go out, and we're almost to complete darkness here. Yet God begins to answer the problem in the person of Samuel. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel was probably 12, 13 years old, a a young teenager. Samuel pops up. Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, Eli, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back, lie down. So he went and lay down. Now this starts to give us a clue that even Eli, serving as the high priest, is is struggling to connect the dots that the Lord is speaking, which gives us a clue that he's not used to the Lord speaking to him. Now, the Lord had just spoken to Eli because the, the Lord had basically told Eli, you're out, buddy, you and your family. You go, you go through chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, and there's a clear word from the Lord that comes to Eli, because you have not dealt with your sons, your whole family is out. I'm bringing a whole new lineage in to serve. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This is just tragic to me. Here's a young man being raised up by the high priest in the tabernacle area to serve the Lord, but part of the training is not knowing the Lord bizarre. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And it is at this point, then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli comes to reality and communicates to Samuel. Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything that I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about. 
the sin of his sons blaspheming God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel, <laughs> poor kid, hears this message, then lays down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but for obvious reasons was afraid to tell Eli what he had heard. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am. What is it he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing. And Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. There was an awakening to the word of the Lord through Samuel. God is speaking. Do you hear his voice? Do you know his voice when he calls out to you? Do you recognize his prompting? And do you say yes to him? Ultimately, that's, that's the distinction between Samuel and Eli. Chapter 2, Eli does hear the voice of the Lord. And, and I wonder if there was opportunity for Eli to respond, if there was opportunity for Eli to make changes, to, to bring correction to his sons, to bring rebuke to his sons, to step in and begin to lead as he was created to and supposed to lead, yet he does not. So by the time chapter 3 happens, and we're not, we're not sure how long we're talking here, but by the time chapter 3 happens and the voice of the Lord begins to speak to Samuel, Eli's out. It's done. Whatever opportunity that Eli had to respond to the voice of the Lord, whatever opportunity that Eli had to make things right, There was a no in his heart. And so the mantle moved from Eli to Samuel. The lamp of the Lord was nearly out. Samuel fanned it into flame. Church, he's, he's speaking. He's still speaking. Are we in the habit of, are we in the business of 
listening? Can we recognize his voice when he prompts? It, it, I, I, I really think that it requires a, an initial yes in our hearts that exists prior to him speaking. It's just, a, it, it, it's a commitment that when he speaks, yes is already there. Here I am, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. For some reason, one of the descriptions about Eli in here, which seems to have no merit to the story whatsoever, is that his eyes were becoming weak so that he could barely see. It really seems to have no pertinence to the story. Yet I wonder if it's mentioned in here because it is another description of Eli's reality. Unable to see the truth. Unable to see what's happening right before him and do what is necessary about it. Your sons are wicked, Eli. Church, we've been given clear direction. We've been given clear instruction on life, on how to live. Yet some of us, our eyes are weakening. Because we just, we don't want to see the truth. Maybe we don't want to see the truth about ourselves. We don't want to see the truth about our choices. The, 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 the truth about what we're up to, what we're doing. And so our, it's a reflection of weakening eyes. We're, we, we, we've chosen Eli's path for life. And I'm, I, I just want to offer a, a, a little warning. Those that choose Eli's path, you fill in the blank. Wouldn't we rather choose Samuel's path? Even in his innocence as a young boy, he simply does what he's told to do. This old man who's losing his sight and has lost his way as a leader, as, a, as, as God's man, simply tells Samuel, respond to the Lord. And Samuel does. 
He simply does what he's told to do. And it sparks a relationship with God that lasts Samuel's whole life. Samuel becomes a prophet status in Israel, as we just saw this chapter close with. None of his words fall to the floor, meaning that what is coming out of Samuel's mouth is simply truth. It's not exaggerated. It's not pontificating. It's just simple truth, and everybody recognizes it for what it is. Samuel's trajectory is he anoints the first two kings of Israel. The one that Israel wanted, which was the wrong one, and the one that God wanted, a man after God's own heart. That is Samuel's legacy. That's his path. We have two characters here that stand before us. You have two characters that stand before you. Two paths. Two ways of living, two ways of responding, or maybe you would say not responding to God. What would you choose? With your eyes closed, a reality check, a personal reality check comes before us now. This is not me preaching at you. It, I believe today this is the word coming before us, and it comes before us as a mirror. And with your eyes closed, you are given opportunity to look into that mirror at yourself. And simply ask, which one of these two characters does my life more reflect? Eli or Samuel? Am I hearing the voice of God? Am I a listener? Am I able to see what God is doing, or have my eyes been weakening? When the truth comes before me, am I able to embrace it and, and accept it and act upon it, or do I reject it and ignore it? Holy Spirit, you are our guide. You are our counselor. You are the God of all the universe, and you are here with us now, speaking to us through the word. I believe everyone here wants to do things your way. Perhaps some of us, we just get in the way of doing things your way. We, our own 
desires, our own issues, our own uh, emotional roller coaster rides, uh, uh, our, our own human ways of thinking gets in the way and, 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 and it causes us to begin to fall more in the path of, of Eli. But I believe everyone in this room, deep down inside, wants Samuel's path. We want to hear your voice. We, we want to be people that respond to your voice. We want to know your voice, recognize it. And we want to have a, a, an imprinted yes on our hearts that even precedes your voice. So that when your voice speaks, we've already said yes. When your voice speaks, our response is already whatever it is that you want. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, I'm ready. Uh, uh, that that there's, there's not rejection in our hearts and our minds. There's not doubt or dismay in, in our hearts and our minds. There's not fear in our hearts and our minds. Nothing to impede us from responding to you. With your eyes still closed. It just feels appropriate. Maybe there are some in here today that you just, you, you've got to take a step of surrender today. To be able to move out of Eli's path into Samuel's path, you, you, you've got to have some sort of reckoning, some sort of um, public decision, public surrender, public movement towards God that just says, whatever I've been doing over here is not who I want to be anymore. If there's anyone in this room like that today, I just want to invite you to get right up out of your chair and just come and kneel right here at this front stage. We'll just turn it into an altar. Maybe there's some in here that just, that you, this is something you need to do. And I don't want to miss this opportunity for you to do that. This is you. Anyone else? See, there's opportunities that come before us, church. There's opportunities that come before us, and when we when we have these opportunities or we let these opportunities pass, I, I just I, I, I need to tell you this: your eyes will become even a little more weak. And then the next time will be a little more weak. 
if he's speaking, don't let this moment pass. This is a holy moment. I'm going to ask that you pray. Soak. Soak in his presence.
sweat and tears kind of pray. And we talked last week about praying through. And Ben has a testimony for us today. You know, some, some of you may know more about the journey that I've been on Some of you may not. Um, for those of you who do know the hurt that I've caused in my own family and even in this church family, and I'm sorry for that. I'm grateful you're sorry. And I thank you for each and every one of you that, that know our story and have still loved and accepted and Sometimes even staying cordial to me. So I appreciate that. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's just been a really rough road. You know, I made life extremely hard on the king. And some in here who would have considered me a good friend at one point or another. Just kind of going on my own journey and thinking I was trying to follow God. Or seek him, but really just in anger, just kind of running to who knows where. And um, this morning, really just actually over the last month or two, God has just been really speaking to me about the, the choices I make and the path I've chosen. And... He's been calling me, and I know Satan has tried to feed a bunch of lies to me like he does all of us, and uh, I've listened to those for a long time, and I don't know what this means other than I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused, and I know that God has a calling on my life, and, and I know that since I was a child, Satan's done nothing but try to beat the tar out of that and cover my eyes and my face and my heart with all kinds of distractions and lies. And so what what this means from here, I don't know, other than I want God's best for my life and for my family and for my future. I just ask that any of you that I have hurt or you have felt hurt because of choices I've made and things you've seen in my life, I ask that for your forgiveness, that that's there to be had. 
especially in Kenya. I don't, I don't know what this means, but it means I want to have a healing. And I'm willing to do my part in that. For Mackenzie, for Haven, for her heart, and her future. So thank you, Pastor Brian, for being here. And each and every one of you, and I just appreciate your prayers and your thoughts. Thank you. Don't quit praying. Don't get don't quit praying for the one that you think there's no hope for. Don't quit praying for the one that that uh, you feel like giving up on. Don't quit praying. God is big and he's still speaking. Ben just said it. He, it wasn't just about this morning. God has been speaking to his heart enough that he walked into this place today and sat over here. Our God is good. He's a good, good father. It's just who he is. All to Jesus. Surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily. This is your testimony. Stand with me. I surrender I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. One more time. I surrender. bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace, his grace, and his mercy. Be praying all week for these kids at VBS. God bless you and have an amazing one. We'll see you next Sunday. Comfort for family, protection.